All right. Well, how are you? Good morning. Good morning. Um, I, I wanted to kind of start out this morning. I know Janet had a prophetic word for the church, and I want to like just ask her to deliver that word. Good morning, everyone. So this is to piggyback on what Sarah brought up. So God just kept giving me a picture of there's a there's a commercial that used to be out to where it was a Band-Aid commercial. And there was a little girl that she'd be riding through like the mountains or like the little hills and then crossing the stream. And and then she's sitting at this bench and she's telling the people around her, oh, my gosh, I went through here and then I did this and then I did that. And you should see all the scabs and the scrapes I got. And she went to pull off the band aid and there was nothing there and so I just felt like the Lord was saying that you know whatever it is whatever hurts whatever it is that you've been mending through in this past season God's healed you God's restored us God is saying you are unblemished and you are perfect so when 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 Sarah brought up her word and said that God's spoken words over you and it is it's time to go it's time to move in it just know God has completely restored us Mm. Look at, look at ourselves through the, the eyes that he sees us and start moving because there, you pull off the band-aid, there ain't nothing there. So, amen. Love you guys. Awesome. Thank you. Do you receive that, church? Yes. Do you know when you get words, you get, you have the opportunity to receive them or say, I do not receive that word? You know that, right? So, if you receive that word, say amen. 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 I also had a word for you guys. I was praying last night and I had a word just for the church. And what I, I, I saw everybody sitting in chairs, quite like this. And everybody had glasses on. And everybody's glasses were different shaped, different lenses, um, different colors of lenses. And then all of a sudden, there was this light that kind of came down out of the sky and shone on the people. And God said, take the glasses off. Just take them off. Because God wants to give you some new sight this morning. I believe that God wants to give you something, and it's not from me, I promise you. Because I'm not going to come in here and say, I'm going to deposit something to you. I'm going to give you something that you need. This has absolutely nothing to do with me at all. This has to do exactly what God wants to give to you as a people, right? It doesn't matter how well I do, how bad I do. It doesn't matter at all. What matters is God wants to give you something. And he's asking you this morning, will you take your glasses off? And will you see through a fresh set of eyes so that you can receive what he's got for you? Amen? Awesome, awesome. Well, guys, I, I, I want to tell you just a little bit about me because I'm a firm believer that if you don't know who I am, then it is, it's difficult to receive something from someone that you don't know, right? And I do believe that there's a word for you guys, so I'm excited about that. Um, I want to give you guys a, a, just a kind of a little background on me. I grew up in the church. I grew up in a Southern Baptist church. I mean, if you guys, anybody know about Southern Baptist churches, I mean, it was, everything was fire and brimstone, Right? If you don't turn, you're going to burn. I mean, I remember coming into the church and I play guitar and I sing and I was on the worship team for a long time and I had all of these turn or burn stickers sitting on my, my guitar case when I walked into the point, Orange County, for the first time and they were like, what's up with the stickers? And I'm all, well, that's the God that we serve. And they were like, praise Jesus, that is not the God that we serve. It just isn't, right? But all I knew All I knew was condemnation. That's all I knew. And I knew that God was somewhere way out there in the sky somewhere. And I knew that if I needed help, I could call on God. But I didn't know him as a friend. I didn't know him as a father. I didn't know him like that at all. And then I came into the point. 
that's a big day. That was a big day because here I, I ran from God, just so you understand. I literally ran from God, always knowing that once I'm saved, I'm saved and God loves me. He loves me and God is always in pursuit of his people. No matter where we're at, he's always in pursuit of you. It doesn't matter if you're standing, you're going, you're sitting. It does not matter. God is always in pursuit of you. That's the most beautiful thing. So here we are. I come into the point, God's always been in pursuit of me. He's like, Chad, you're supposed to feed my sheep. Do you love me? I say, God, yes, I do. He's all going to take care of my people. Chad, do you love me? I do. Then feed my sheep. And so I'm supposed to be feeding sheep. I'm supposed to be doing this thing that God's called me to. But in the meantime, I kind of lost my way and I started business and I started a couple companies with Janet. And here we are in Orange County doing our own life. And I don't know about you guys, but sometimes, do you ever find yourself just kind of doing your own life? And the whole time I'm doing my own life, God is seeking me out. I love that picture because God is a father that will just seek you out. And I don't know about you guys, but I had a hard time in the beginning, seeing God as a father. I just did. Because my dad wasn't that great of a dad. I know my dad loved me. He loved me tremendously, but he did not know how to show love to me at all. So I grew up with this kind of warped understanding of what love was and what a father looked like in my life. What it meant for a father to seek after me. What it meant for a father to speak into my life. What it meant for a father to say unconditionally, I love you. That was difficult for me. It just was. And so here I come into this church in, in, in Orange County and everybody is all about love, really. It's really all about love. And, and, uh, and I've got all my rules because, right, if it's you turn or you burn, it's all about these rules. And I'm like, but I can't live up to any of these rules. I don't know about you guys, but when you look at all the rules that are in the Bible, can we live up to that? Not even close. So here I am just going, if I can't live up to those rules, what do I do? What do I do? So that's what I did. I did my own life. So here I am, and God is so faithful because it didn't matter how many years it took me. I was, supposed to, I was supposed to come back and do exactly what God wanted me to do. So here I am at the point, Orange County. Carl and Mandy come in. They're like, you don't, you, you don't trust anybody. You have a hard time trusting. If you guys know Carl, Carl's this tall. He's like three of me, right? I mean, he dwarfs me. I mean, I dwarf him big time. And so Carl's just like, hey, you don't trust me. And I know you don't trust God, but that's okay. Because I love you, God loves you, and we're going to be best friends. And in my mind, I'm thinking, this is terrible. This is terrible. I don't, I don't want to be best friends with you. It's uncomfortable to be best friends with you. And he would walk by my office every day and he would look in. And then he would turn around. And I'm like, what is this guy doing? He's supposed to be out selling. He's supposed to be doing work. But he would just walk by the office and he'd look in. And I'm like, Carl, what's up, buddy? And he would just come in and sit. And he's like, what are you, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm working. What are you doing? He's like, oh, nothing, man, just hanging out. So what do you think about this? And he would just constantly pursue me. And what I learned in that was God is relentless in pursuing his people. Because if we are to be a representation of who God is, we are made in his likeness. If God pursues us relentlessly, no matter what we're doing, I'm busy, I'm working, Carl's like, hey, buddy, what's up? And, I, and what I learned is God literally will come in and he'll say, hey, buddy, what's up? Hey, what's going on? And then a lot of times we go, hey, I'm busy. I'm busy, God. I'm busy. But God will say, okay, cool. And then Carl just sat there, just quiet. I'm just typing away. And he's just sitting there and he's looking around. I'm like, Carl, what are you doing? He's like, hey, man, do you want to talk? 
So finally, he wore me down, right? But one of the things that I I love, and I, I share just a little bit of that story. There's so much more, but I share it to say this. That, that God got in touch with me and he, like he just revealed to me that he's about relationship. That's really what it's about. Now, I'm not saying that the tenets that are in the Bible, the things that we live by are not, like, those are important. They are absolutely important. These are God's words that govern our life and how we are to live. But if we have rules that govern without relationship, that's a tragic relationship. That's a tragic thing that's going to happen. If, I, if I'm in a relationship with my wife and all I do is every single day I wake up and I look at all these things that I can or cannot do because I'm in a relationship with my wife, that's bad, right? I'm not going to be in that relationship very long. Do you guys follow me? So here I am, I'm learning how to have a relationship with my heavenly father. And it took me a long time. I remember the day that I was praying and everybody's around, everybody's filled with the spirit, everybody's speaking in tongues. And I just sat in this moment. I just sat there and God said, say dad to me. That was tough for me. That was a big moment for me because when he said, I am your dad, I was like, but my dad was not so great. He was kind of mean. He loved me, but he was kind of mean. So if I call you dad, then you're going to be like that to me. And he said, Chad, I'm not going to. Because a man, a man failed to love you the way he was supposed to, doesn't mean I'm going to fail to love you the way that I'm supposed to and the way that you deserve it. And so literally, I remember sitting in that room and, and saying, dad, and that took a lot because my pride was up, right? Here, I'm a grown man. I'm like, daddy, I'm like, daddy. And it was weird because I said, dad, and then I said, daddy, right after. It was this crazy thing that happened inside of me, Right? God is such a good God. He's a loving God. He loves us tremendously right where we are. I want to get into the word really quick. I'm going to talk about two different scriptures, guys. If you can turn to Ezekiel 46, starting in verse 9. I want to set the frame for this. And then I'll unpack a few things. In our church, we've got spice and core. Spice is the girls, core is the men. So whoever gets there first, just shout it out. So Spice gets the points. All right. So I want to read this because remember the prophetic word is, I believe God wants you to take some glasses off. I believe God wants to give you something. Okay. So here it says in verse nine, when the people of the land come before the Lord at the Lord at the appointed feasts or times, he who enters by the north gate, everybody say north. North. He who enters by the north gate to worship shall go out by the south gate. And he who enters by the south gate shall go out by the north gate. No one's, everybody say no one. No one shall return by, the, by way of the gate by which he entered, but each shall go out straight ahead. So when I first looked at this scripture, I thought, okay, I understand the whole, like all the story about the Israelites and how the, the temple was being ransacked and everybody was doing what they want to do in the temple and God came in and cleaned the house. So when I look at this, I think about myself, right? I live my own life. I do all the things that I want to do and I make a muck of God's temple. And then God comes in and says, hey, I want there to be order in my house. And I say, okay, cool. So I receive Jesus into my life and now God, Jesus resides in my heart. God lives inside of my person. God says, hey, Chad, if you enter by the south gate, 
You cannot turn around and go back out of that south gate. You have to go through the north gate. And I don't know about you guys, that kind of freaks me out. Doesn't it? Because aren't we creatures of habit? When I drive up here, one of the first things that I'm looking to do is I've, I don't know anything about this land. And sometimes in Christianity, we don't know anything about the land that God has called us to. Whether it be inside of us or a natural land, when God says go, a lot of times it's, hey, Abraham, pick up everything that you own and go to that land. And he's like, well, where? Um, I'll show it to you as you go, right? So here I am, we're driving. And in my mind, I'm, I'm looking on the side of the road for markers. Like if I need to get back to where I came from, I need to see like, where, where did I come from? But God says, no, Chad, I want you, when you enter, I don't want you to leave the same way that you came. I don't want you to. God does not want us to walk in his house have an encounter with him, and leave the same way. He just doesn't. When we encounter God, when we brush up against God, we will be changed. So I don't know how you came in. I don't know how, like, how you woke up, how you greeted the world today. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know where you sit. But I do know this, that God said, however you entered the house of worship today, God says he does not want you to leave the same. He does not want you to leave the same at all. So whatever that is for you, God highlights that to you. God says, hey, drop that off. Do not leave with the same attitude, with the same thought process, with the same belief. Do not leave the same way. Keep going straight. Keep going straight. Amen? You cannot leave the same way you entered. If you encounter God, you cannot leave the same way. Today's scripture, and I'm actually going to be reading out of it, is going to be Psalms. Chapter 5, verse 3. This is one of my favorite scriptures. I just love the Psalms. It's so beautiful, right? I mean, this guy is just, David is amazing. He's just an amazing guy. And he's so relatable to me. Like he's, this, he's just a cool cat. So it's going to be Psalm 5, verse 3. It says, In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait in expectation. Everybody say Expectation. In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and I wait in expectation. Hmm. I lean in and I look up and I wait in expectation. This is beautiful. Before I can even think about anything, before I can even process the day, he says, I wake up in the morning and you hear my voice. Like, isn't this a great picture of I'm asleep, right? I'm asleep, and I just imagine this, that God is literally looking at me. And as soon as I wake up and I either, I, I utter something, God hears my voice. Like, he is, he is waiting for me to speak so that he can love me. And then I lay my request, the things that I need, I lay them at his feet, and I wait in expectation. And not only that, but the scripture says, I lean in. Like everybody lean in, lean in. Doesn't that feel different? Like when you lean in, aren't you waiting to receive something? Yeah. 
Yes. So I lean in and I look up in expectation that what I've laid at his feet, he is going to bring. Isn't that an amazing picture? Expectation as a Christian should bubble up inside of us because we serve a loving God. And when I think about expectation, I think it's natural for me to think of a woman that's pregnant. She's pregnant. She goes to the doctor. What does the doctor say she is? Expecting. She's expecting, which means it's not there yet. It takes nine months for this life to come out. But the whole time, does the mom just sit around and not do anything? (laughs) Janet's like, well, we would like to. Yep, that's true. I don't know what that's like. I just, you know, to say that for the record. But moms don't just wait. Moms exercise. Don't moms eat different? They're waiting in expectation for this baby, this life to come out into the world to come out into the world. And I get this picture when David says that I wake up in the morning, I bring, my, my, I bring all the things that I want to you, I wait, I lean in and look up in expectation for what you're going to bring to me. And I really think this is a beautiful picture that a lot of times we sit around, it. I don't know about you, but I sit around sometimes and I go, well, my life is just good enough. It's just good enough. That's it. It's good enough. Everything's Okay. And we fail to realize that we have a perfect dad, a perfect father that loves us, that wants things for us. And all we have to do is say, God, in relationship with you, here are the things that I'm looking for out of life. Now, mind you, my heart has to be aligned with his heart. But if I'm aligned with God and I bring those things to him, I can wait in expectation for my father to love me. Because my son comes to me and he says, hey, dad, can I, can I do this? Can I get this? And I look at him and, and I mean, I'm a dad. So I say, yeah, buddy, hundred percent. I can do that. And I get that picture that if I'm an earthly dad and my inclination towards a son that I love is that if he asks, I'm going to do this, he can, he can literally say, dad, can I? And he's expecting me to say, yes, son, we can do that. Yes, son, you can have that. Yes, son, I'm okay with this. But a lot of times we don't, this is who I am as a natural dad. But our heavenly father is so much greater. I am created in his likeness and I fall and I can get angry and I can get upset. And sometimes I can say no to my son because I might be mad. Or he might not have done something good enough for me to say, hey, well, you didn't do your chores, so you can't have that. But this isn't how God is. God isn't like that. God will lavish love on us no matter what. He saved us when we were sinners. He came to us when we didn't deserve it. So this isn't a matter of deserving something. This is a matter of, Dad, here are the things that I need and I want in my life and waiting in expectation for a father to fulfill it. Does that make sense, church? Do you receive that? Expectation sets a tone for what we do and how we live. In 1 Kings 18, 41 through 44, if you're taking notes, you can write that down. We don't have to go to the scripture for the sake of time. But it's 1 Kings Chapter 18, 41 through 44. It hadn't rained in the land at this time for three years. There was a severe drought in the land. God said that he was going to bring rain. He told Elijah he would be bringing a heavy rain. So here we are, we have this picture. There's a drought in the land. God said, hey, I'm going I'm to bring rain. 
don't know about you, but if there's a drought in the land for three years, that's a long time. Some of us have a drought in our lives for three years. That's a long time to not have water. Water brings life. Water brings sprouts of new life. There's been no life on this land. God said, hey, it's going to happen. So what does he do? He says, hey, I want you, my servant, to go up on that mountain and I want you to look out. Remember, lean in, look up, look out and tell me when it's coming. Because if God says it's coming, he's a good and faithful father. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. We talk about prophetic words in the church. Prophetic words are so important because prophetic words are not just words from a person, but it's a prophetic vision that God sees over your life. He sees that over your life. When I bring a a word to somebody, it's not me. I say, God, what do you have for this person? Because it's your vision for them. And all I have to do is get out of the way. I I expect that he's going to speak and I open my mouth and the word is delivered. And when God delivers a word and it touches you, it takes seed inside of you, it grows. It's his vision. So here we are. God says, I'm going to bring rain to this land after three years of drought. And he says, I believe it. He sends him up to the top of the mountain. He looks out. Mm -mm. He runs back down the mountain. He says, nope, not yet. He says, good, go back up to the mountain. So he goes back up and he looks out. Nothing. Comes back down, goes to him and says, nothing. He said, awesome. Go back up because God says it's coming. So he goes back up. Now this is going to get ridiculous. Nothing. Comes back down. Awesome. Go back up. Nothing. Comes back down. Seven times he does this. Seven times. I don't know about you guys, but there's been so many times in my life that God has said something to me and I've given up after a couple times. Isn't this a beautiful picture? Seven times. We're supposed to forgive each other. Seven times. Only seven times. Mm, seven times 70, right? Isn't this, an, isn't this an amazing picture of just keep going? Keep going. If God said something to you, if he says he's going to bring rain, if he says he's going to end the drought, keep looking for it. Even when somebody comes down and says, it's not there. I don't see it. I don't know how it's going to happen. Awesome. Keep looking. Lean in. Look up in expectation that it is going to come because it will. This is not a prosperity message. This is a principle of our heavenly father over our lives because we are his kids and he generously, generously lavishes us with love. He just does. I'm going to end the drought. Go up there and look seven times and he finally looks out and he's all, what is that? It's it. It's coming. It's coming. He sees the storm coming. So he runs down and he says, hey, the storm is coming. Matter of fact, it's going to come so much So much that if we don't leave now, it is literally going to flood the land. We will not be able to get out because so much of God's blessing is going to come. So much of it's going to come. And when I look at times in my life, I think, wow. I wonder because I didn't have my hands out. Everybody put your hands out. I wonder when God says, hey, I'm going to give you something. I have a gift for you. I'm going to end the drought. I'm bringing to you what I promised you. And if we don't have arms, what is this? What do you feel like right now? 
Don't you feel like you're getting ready to, somebody's going to give you something? Like God's going to put something in your hands? And sometimes I go like this and I say, God, if this is what you're going to do, then bring it. Bring it. Bring it. Right? I'm okay with this. I'm okay with standing in a space and going, God says he's going to bring it. I look out an expectation and I say, God, you're a good God. I'm gonna, you're going to do exactly what you say over my life. But a lot of times this is what happens. A lot of times we look out and we go, it's not there. Mm, still not there. And then we have other people that say, oh, I thought something was coming. Right? And then you go, yeah, I mean, it's, it's supposed to. And then you look and you're like, oh, man, I knew it. I knew it. And then somebody says something and you're like, yeah. I don't know what I was thinking. But the whole time inside we go, hey, I want a dad that just does this for me. But if we just persevere, if we lean in, look up and say, no matter how many times it takes me to go out and see that, because isn't the blessing worth it? I mean, if you are dry, land, barren, nothing's growing, and God says, I'm going to bring rain, and it's going to fill the land and he's, crops are going to grow. I mean, isn't it worth it to look foolish seven times to run up a mountain and say, God said he's bringing a blessing? Isn't it foolish to stand in a room full of people that might have crossed arms because they don't believe and say, God, bring it to me. I'm okay with this because you love me. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. It's not the whip. It's not the, it's not the you're going to go to hell. That's how I grew up. But it is his kindness His love, His generosity that pulls us towards Him. It just is. It just is. Our job is just to love people. Hmm. There's another story in Mark 5, 25. I love this story. So when I think about this, I mean, I preached a couple different ways on this scripture. This is the woman with the issue of blood. Now, mind you, the story just goes like this. Jesus is walking. Jairus comes up and says, hey, my daughter's dying. She's 12 years old. Can you come to my house? He's a, he's a notable man. Here's the, here's, the, here's the cool thing that I love. Jairus is a, a well-known person. And you would think that a well-known person comes to Jesus and says, hey, come to my house. My daughter's dying. First of all, he's well-known, prominent in, his, in the land. Very prominent person. And death is on the horizon impending doom. Jesus, come. He says, cool, I'm going to go. So he makes his way on. The crowds are pressing in on him. They're expecting something from Jesus. Because everywhere Jesus went, people were fed, people were healed. People that couldn't walk got up and walked. The blind, they could see. There's an expectation that's happening. So here we are, we've got a woman A woman is pressing through. Now, mind you, back in the day, she has an issue of blood. She's unclean. For all intents and purposes, she's unclean. And so here she is. She's unclean and she's a woman, but she knows that all she has to do is get to Jesus. All she knows is she's got to get to Jesus. So here we are, right? In a room full of people like this, we're the crazy ones going like this. So in a, in a throng full of people that are pressing in on Jesus, expecting to be healed, expecting miracles to happen, she is just pressing through the crowd, looking foolish, pressing through the crowd. And she knows the story goes that all I have to do is touch the hem of his garment. That's it. She was in full expectation that God didn't even have to do anything other 
then just breeze by her and barely touch her and she knew instantly she'd be healed. Just like he's saying, I don't care if you don't see anything over there, go back up and tell me when that storm's coming because it's coming. Sitting in a space of expectation, expecting that God loves us, God's gonna take care of us, period. She touches the hem of his garment and she's instantly healed, instantly. What I love is God, Jesus took his time. He took his time because you would think this is a notable guy like Jesus is gonna make a mad dash. Here's the cool part. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you feel you're unclean. It doesn't matter if you feel like you aren't supposed to be around God. Like because she's a woman, she's unclean. That She wasn't supposed to be anywhere out there. And especially pushing through everybody that had the right to be there. And then... And then this guy says, come to my house. And of course, God's, you know, God's not going to stop for me because, I mean, like they, they rule pieces of the land. Like who am I in comparison to them? And Jesus says, awesome. Hey, who touched me? Awesome. Who, who touched me? And he took his time in the middle of a dire situation for a, a notable person. And he said, who touched me? And he did not stop until that woman was not only healed, She was made whole. The Bible says she was made whole. She was healed from infirmity and sickness because she touched and had an expectation. So when I look at this, here's the cool part. There's two parts to this. She was healed physically because of her expectation that she would be healed. You get that, right? Nothing else happened. She had an expectation she would be healed. She pressed in and pushed through everything she ran up that hill seven times and, and was healed. And then Jesus said, that's not enough. It's not enough. Because Jesus saw her heart. She pressed in, was healed. Jesus stopped everything. He forgot everything on the planet. And he said, I want to talk to you. Because I don't just want you to be healed physically. I want you to be made whole. God wants us to be made whole. He doesn't just want to bring financial resources. He doesn't just want to take care of us. He wants us to be made whole. There's a big, big difference. I've made a ton of money in my life and I've made no money in my life. I remember having a lot and then my house almost getting foreclosed on. Giving away my cars, literally sitting in my house with my wife and going, I don't know what we're going to do. We had a couple bucks in the bank and that's it. That's it. And we sat in a space going, God, we are your kids. You say that we're not going to be begging for bread. We're not going to be left wanting. And so I'm expecting that you're going to show up. But what was my job? My job was to, was to lean in, look up, and expect. Lean in, look up, and expect. Because like, this stuff doesn't matter. It comes and it goes. But what God's after, he's after us. He wasn't just after her being healed. He was after her being made whole. God is after making his people whole. That's what he's after. Expectation sets a tone for how we live and what we do. If we walk out the door with little expectation that a miracle can actually come my way. If I walk out the door with little expectation that God that created the heavens and the earth 
will actually stop going to a great ruler's house and he will forsake all of that so that he can look at me and he can make sure that I'm whole. If I walk out the door without that expectation, I kind of miss out, don't I? Because couldn't she have, couldn't she have, like, just imagine, Jesus is here, there's like a throng of people just pressing in. It says they were pressing in on him as to crush him, right? Have you ever been in a situation like that where there's a mob of people and you're like, I can't even move, right? That's how bad it was. People were pressing in to crush him. And she got close enough to touch him. Don't sometimes we need to push through against everything because we know that God's going to make us whole. He's going to make us whole. Amen, church? The size of our problem begins and ends with the size of our God. When I look at this, I think she understood who God was and who Jesus was. She understood that if she just even got close to him, she'd be healed. But she wouldn't even have pushed through all of the adversity. He wouldn't have ran up the mountain seven times if there was an expectation that this is God. He can do a miracle in my life. How big is your God? This is the way I look at it. I'm going to close, church. If my past has been wiped clean when Jesus comes into my life, then I don't have to look behind me anymore. I get to look at my future. Because didn't Jesus say back in Ezekiel that if you go into the south gate, you cannot go back the same way you came? You have to go through. And mind you, this is coming into God's temple. When you come into God's temple, he says, however you showed up, I do not want you to leave the same way. I want you to be different I want you to encounter me. I want you to bring sorrow, sadness, loss. I want you to bring prosperity. Whatever's happening in your life, I want you to come in here and I do not want you to leave the same. I don't want you to look behind you because there's nothing there. I want you to look ahead of you because that's where I am. That's my vision. That's my promise for you. You cannot leave the same way you entered. If sin is gone out of my life, then I can walk in righteousness. If my pain has been healed, then I can walk in wholeness. If I'm no longer blind, then I walk in sight. If Jesus lives inside of us, we have sight. We're no longer blind. All we have to do is open our eyes in expectation that we're going to see a miracle. In expectation. There are people in the world, there are people in our church that see angels. They see them like as real as you and I. And that blows my mind. Do you know why? Because I've never seen them. There are people that are healed of sickness. Broken bones that are healed. I've heard stories, seen x-rays. They have been healed. Blows my mind. I believe it here. I don't believe it here yet. I've never seen it. I've never seen it. But one of the things that I know is God said, Chad, in order for you to see the sick healed, you have to be around the sick. You have to be around the sick. The only way that I can see that God's going to bring a flood is sometimes I have to be in a barren desert. And I have to be okay that I'm there. And I can say, God, I'm in in expectation. Do you want me to live in the desert? Because if you do, I'll live here. But if all I'm supposed to do is say, God, I'm in the desert. You want to bring the rain. I'm in expectation that you love me and I don't have to stay in the desert. I'm in expectation. We as a people need to be in expectation. The more we know about God, the more empowered we become in who he is. 
Because life is not about who we are. It really isn't about who we are. And what's, what blows my mind again is it really is about who we are. Do you know that? It's not about who we are. And it is everything to do with who we are. Because didn't God decide to take a piece of his triune being and send it down to earth because he loves us and we are such a cherished prize and gift that he gave his life for us? Doesn't that make us valuable? I mean, think about that. I grew up in a Southern Baptist church where I was dung, where I was nothing. And that's what I said. That's what I told myself. I am nothing. And truth be told, I am nothing because that's true. 100% when it comes to God, I am absolutely nothing. I'm not even a blip on the radar, a thought. I'm nothing. What makes me valuable is God says I'm valuable. What makes me valuable is God was willing to take a piece of himself, come down here and die, live in a way, give up his throne and live in a way so that I can be saved. That makes me and you extremely valuable, extremely valuable. It's in what he's done for us. And I just believe in closing, I just believe that a lot of times the church forgets to walk in power. We just do. We forget to walk in expectation and we look at it and say, who am I? And the truth of it is, you, 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 all of you, including me, are precious gifts to God. We are precious gifts. And how much more to get up every day and say, I'm a precious gift of God. I'm a precious gift. I can sit in expectation that God is going to take care of me. I can sit in expectation that God is going to lay out a plan for me. I can sit in expectation that God has prophesied words over me and he's going to see those through. Let's live as an empowered people. Let's live in, in, in expectation that God loves us enough. He's going to do it. And how many times, how many times do we have to go up the mountain? And are we willing to go up the mountain? What if it took 20 times? Are we willing to go up the mountain to see the blessing? Are we willing to push through everything to touch the hem of his garment so that we can receive wholeness and healing? Are we willing to do that? Amen, church?